Alrighty, what did I learn today to become a better communicator? As always, we'll just start with the weather forecasting aspect, and I think I made some good progress today. The main thing that I was focusing on was switching up my forecast. This is something that I realized in the past, where if you just use the same graphics in the same order day after day, you just stop thinking. You get into a little autopilot mode, and you pretty much just say the exact same thing over and over again, and the viewer must be getting bored because it's the same thing, and it is kind of boring. What I realized was a good way to mix things up is, one, if there really is no other graphics you can use, which is almost never the case, you could at least switch up the order that you're saying, the order of how you're telling your story. There always is some something else you could talk about, though. So that's where you want to figure out what that something else is. Today, I worked in the Rodeo Salinas and the Oak Fire in Mariposa County. And because of that, I had plenty of different graphics that I could go to to tell my story in different ways. Just for example, yeah, there wasn't that many different ways to say the Rodeo story. That's pretty much just a day planner right there. But for the Oak Fire, I had the fire weather forecast, which showed like the temperature, winds, humidity, all on one screen. I had the map that I made that shows relative humidity in the winds, and then also the hot spot of the fire. I contrasted it with the Anzar fire that just happened in Aromas by showing the difference in temperature and humidity between the coast and the inland areas by showing the state maps. There was just lots of different things that I was throwing into the forecast. And what's interesting is just, or it's not exactly interesting because it's the exact same thing that I figured out the other day. Just by switching up your graphics, but even more importantly, using new graphics, it automatically makes you a better communicator because it makes you more alert. It wakes you back up out of that autopilot slumber that you can get in when every single day it just has the marine layer in the morning, sunshine in the afternoon, mid-70s along the coast, and mid-70s inland. Now, this idea could sound like it goes against what I've talked about in the past, where you don't want to focus on the graphics. It's just about talking to the camera, and not really talking to the camera, but talking to the person on the other side of the camera. One-on-one -on -one conversation, just telling them what the weather is going to be like. That's the main focus. The last thing you want to do is get buried in your graphics, rely on your graphics, constantly be pointing and looking at your graphics. That's what you did when you first started out. And it makes sense that that's what you did when you first started out because it's the safe thing to do. It's much easier to look at the maps, point to the maps, say what you're seeing on the maps, and then click forward, look at the next map, and just do the exact same thing throughout your entire forecast. It's almost the equivalent of when you see a new speaker, they oftentimes will cross their arms over their their stomachs. It's your it's a very vulnerable part of your body and people just instinctively cover that up when they get scared on stage. 
And to me, relying on graphics is almost the same thing. It's a way to close yourself off to the audience, to turn your shoulders to the graphics, and almost it's almost a protective maneuver. What takes true confidence is to be able to just stand in front of the camera, square up your shoulders, and just talk to the camera. But amazingly, that's what feels good. Like Once you do that, you never want to go back to the old way because that just feels right. It feels like you're actually talking to the person who's watching. But it's easy to get back to that graphic mode because it's the default and it's what's safe. So anytime you make a little mistake, it's easy to jump right back to the graphics where you know it's safe. I've certainly noticed that in the past where I will be talking to the camera and then I'll kind of lose my, not lose my train of thought, but stumble over my words a little bit and then I'll just jump right back to the graphics. And maybe that's a good thing to know that you have that escape when you need it, but you want to use it as little as possible. So the point I was just trying to make is, it sounds like I'm saying two different things. It sounds like I'm saying graphics are very important, and then it also sounds like I'm saying graphics aren't important at all. Here's what I mean. The graphics provide the structure of the story that you're telling. You have, depends on how you want to tell the story. It could be past, present, future, where you show today's high temperatures, current temperatures, tomorrow's forecast eyes. Or there's other story formats that you can use to. You could focus on moisture and then temperature. Or focus on the big forecast, start national, then go state, then go local. That one's the forecast funnel. Lots of different ways you could structure your story, but the way you structure your story is with the graphics. Then, once you get up there, you just talk to you try to just talk to the camera as much as you possibly can without looking at and pointing to and relying on the graphics so it's it's kind of nuanced here you're using the graphics as the structure of your story but to tell your story you're just talking to the camera you're not relying on the graphics in that aspect for telling the story. Hopefully that makes sense. But the reason it's good to mix up the graphics is because it keeps the story fresh and it keeps you awake because you have to tell a different story than the one that you've told before. I think I got a little not too concise explaining the end of that, so I'll just try to summarize that. Switch up your graphics. Try to create new and exciting ones that are a visual representation of the story you're telling. Use those as the structure of your story and then ignore them and just talk to the camera like you're talking to a friend. I think that sums up some of the big lessons that I learned throughout this weekend and definitely throughout the day today because I put that into practice today and I noticed how much better it felt. I, the 6 p.m. hit ended, and it was one of those hits where I just walked off, and I was like, that felt good. Love those kind of hits. They don't happen every day, but they usually happen when you figure out what you're doing wrong, you 
make the change, and then the change works. No better feeling. I also put into practice some of the lessons I've been learning for my wildfire forecasts. I started out this episode, or I don't know what you call it, an episode or this live stream, using that same tactic I thought of in the last live stream, where instead of just rambling over the time lapse for a minute, saying everything that we're going to talk about, I actually just clicked through the slides. So I went, we're going to look at a time lapse, we're going to look at satellite imagery, we're going to look at the recent numbers, we're going to look at where the growth was today, where it is right now, where it's going to be tomorrow, the fire weather forecast, and the air quality. So I clicked through all the tabs so people could see what they could expect. Much better than showing one graphic and just telling people what they can expect. That's incredibly boring. (laughs) And it's a wonder, or or it's no wonder that I was losing 30% of my audience in the first 30 seconds of the video. I'll be very interested to go back into the audience retention analytics tomorrow and see if I had a higher viewer retention for that first 30 seconds when I tried it this new way. And even with that, I could do it much better in the future. I could make it even more concise and really just focus on the tabs that are the most important when I give that brief skeleton of the live stream. I think it worked though, because it, it felt better than my previous live streams for sure. Couldn't have been worse than me just rambling over a time lapse, telling people what we're gonna talk about for a minute. I even click away from videos when people do that. That felt good. I also just felt like I've been getting back in the groove with these wildfire forecast videos. It always takes a little getting used to because you have to remember how to use all your different links, what are the most important things to say regarding those links, how to interpret what you're seeing, and that's basically what the forecast videos are. Show a map, say, hey, this is how you read the map, so based on how we can read the map, this is what the map's telling us. Then you go to the next one and just keep it straightforward, as straightforward as possible. That was the other thing that I tried to focus on today, but and I think I did it well in the first minute or two, but then I think I fell back into my old zone. There's something about wildfire forecasts where it's tempting to talk louder and talk faster and make it exciting. And maybe that is what you're what you should be doing because I mean this is pretty critical information that you're providing. It would be kind of weird if you were saying these, in some cases, life-threatening information in like a bored or unenthusiastic tone. I think you could tone it down a little bit. Maybe just be talking like this. Just talking as normally as possible. I think that's always the answer. If you feel like you're ramped up too high, bring it down. That was something that Dan talked about when you were looking at the video you did for drought. You jumped up with your energy, and then you never came down. And it 
minimizes your vocal range because once you jump up, it cuts your vocal range in half because you're only using those higher tones of the high energy. What you want to do is be able to also bring it down low. The more vocal variety you have, the better you're going to sound and also the healthier it is on your voice. You don't want to be straining your voice over long periods of time like you can sometimes do in those live streams where you're just going high intensity the entire time. That's something to maybe work on tomorrow. Try to bring down the level a little bit so that you're talking a lot more naturally. I think people will appreciate that too because sometimes these videos go on for 17 minutes, 20 minutes, and for someone listening, that might be a bit much if, if I'm too amped up. Uh, that's like when an annoying song is on the radio and you turn it off and you almost your whole body almost relaxes. I'd imagine sometimes people could feel that way turning off my wildfire forecast videos where I'm just too amped up and then they turn it off and it's like, oh, finally. So I'm going to work on bringing it down a little bit. I'm also going to work on bringing down the time that the videos are taking. 17 minutes is too much. I think that's what my last three videos were. I should bring it down to 10 to 12 minutes. That's what I should shoot for every day. Because you really don't need more time than that. When you go more than 12 minutes, guaranteed you're repeating yourself Guaranteed, you're using repetitive phrases. Guaranteed, you're just saying some information in there that doesn't need to be said. 10 to 12 minutes, you can get all the most important information out there. And what's important to know is that it is tempting to want to just say everything that you know about the fire. Everything that you could possibly think of and just say it. But at a certain point, people are actually going to take away more if you're not saying as much. It's a little counterintuitive, but it makes sense. Even in a three-minute weather forecast, if you cram in 15 different graphics, people aren't going to remember anything you're giving them much, much more information, but they're walking away with no information because it was all just jumbled, it was too much, it was chaotic, it wasn't structured, and it was just too much. (laughs) You want to, it's almost like an iceberg. The iceberg represents everything you know about the wildfire. You want to just be that part of the iceberg that's above the surface. Take all of the information that you can scour across the web. Take out the most important 5% that you've been able to find and present that in 10 to 12 minutes. That's what you want to do. And if you do that, people will walk away with the most important information that they need to know. That's what's important. If you just give them the entire iceberg, even the 95% or whatever the percentage is that's underwater as well, then 
you might as well not even make the video because people aren't going to walk away with anything. I believe the best way to say this is don't talk faster, say less. And by say less, I mean know what's the most important thing to say and say it clearly and concisely. It's the best way to put it. I've also been happy with the two-minute hits that I've been doing. I've been getting better at those, and I definitely want to keep working on those because I could still get a lot better. I think in order to make my two-minute video today, it took probably 10 minutes, which means it probably took about five or six takes. I want to be able to get that down to the first take, be able to knock that out, no problem. The way I do that is by knowing exactly what I'm going to be talking about. So I usually take the long video that has been about 17 minutes and I cut the tabs in half. I only take the most important tabs and in a way that they string together smoothly. Then for the two minute hit, I just present those five or six tabs maybe and go through them so that I can upload it to Twitter and then also a short version on YouTube so that people who don't have time to watch a 17 minute video can still get the most important information in two minutes. The way I can get better at that though is taking a moment before you do it, don't just wing it because you think you already have it down because you did the 17 minute video. It's a different video. You're using, it's a different story because you're, the order of the tabs is different. Before you record it, look at the tabs, know the main point you want to make about each tab, and then know how you're going to tie those tabs together. For example, I started out today when I finally did get this down after my first four or five takes and then I realized I had to switch up my strategy, I realized I needed to, again, know the main thing I wanted to say about each tab and how I was going to tie them together. So I started off with the Google Earth map saying where the growth was recently. Then I said, hey, on this eastern side, we had a hotspot pop up. And I said, if we want to see where that hotspot, what that hotspot actually looked like, we could check out the time-lapse. Then I showed the time-lapse, and then I said, well, you can see that it picked up an activity, but it, I think this sentence perfectly sums it up. Then I went to watch duty where the sentence literally said, extreme flare-up led to six spot fires. And then I, you get the point. I tied in all the tabs together and it worked much more smoothly. And interestingly, it was the most views that I've ever gotten on one of those two minute hits on Twitter. It was also because I put in sound on in the title too. I think people didn't know that I was actually talking in the past videos because when I went back to watch one, I didn't even really think about it. I wasn't sure if it was just one of the time-lapse videos that I posted or the update and forecast. So that experiment went well. Keep the sound on parentheses in the title of the Twitter post. Because it's not intuitive when all the other posts you've been posting throughout the day don't have any sound. 
I just said something that I want to briefly address. I mentioned that I noticed that my video on Twitter got over a thousand views and it was the most that I'd gotten on any one of my little two-minute update and forecast videos. I go back and forth when it comes to views and subscribers because on one hand, a lot of times those views are actually indicative of if you're making the right adjustments, if you're doing better. It's almost a feedback mechanism. It's almost like a dialogue that you're having with the audience. I make my video and I think to myself, you know, there's maybe these things that I could have been doing better. I try it in the next video and if the next video gets more views, it might be a coincidence, but it might be because those things that I fixed were actually things that other people agreed that I should fix. So it's, it's positive reinforcement when you make some changes and it seems that people like those changes because the algorithms are pretty good. If people are watching your video longer, if they're liking it more, if they're sharing it, if they're subscribing after they watch it, it means that the video must have been pretty good. If you make some adjustments and then they watch it longer, they share it more, they like it more, and they more people subscribe, or a high percentage, then must mean that the video is even better. And then it turns into a positive feedback loop where YouTube and I'd imagine Twitter does this too, starts showing it to more people because the algorithm is dinging off, hey, this is a good video. What I'm saying is in one aspect, it is important to follow views and also the increase in subscribers because it's an indication that you're on the right path. For example, in the past, I would wake up every day at, I think, 5 in the morning and do a northeast weather forecast. And it never got, like, more than... I think the most I ever got on one of those was 1,000 views. But most of them were, like, 50 views. And it was because I was bad at it. It wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't know the northeast. I didn't know the cities. I was probably pronouncing them wrong. People could probably tell... I was just some Californian, didn't know anything about Northeast or Nor'easter snowstorms. It, it was a good feedback to tell me, hey, this isn't your thing. People don't want to hear you talk about snowstorms. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> the exact opposite happened with wildfire. The first wildfire forecast I made took off. And it seems like... People have been enjoying the content that I've been putting out ever since then. And, I mean, it's what I love to do. It's what I think I'm here to do. I'm a Californian. I've been around these fires for the last decade as they've been going off. I was in the Santa Cruz Mountains when on one side was the CZU, on the other side was the SCU. I know what it feels like to not be able to find helpful information. And that's why I wanted to do it myself. Get the information, acquire it from dozens of different links, 
and then put it in a concise format that's easy to understand and is clear and concise that comes from a scientific background and understanding. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. It's, it's just everything that I care about wrapped up into an activity. California, wildfire, science, communication, weather, geography, fuels, topography, plants, ecosystems, and people. And I think that goes on the other side of what I was going to say about views and subscribers is you don't want to have that be the reason you're doing it. You're not making these videos to get views. You're not making these videos to get subscribers. When you look at the views and subscribers, you can do it once a day after the video has had its time to perform and see, hey, that video did pretty well. I must have been doing some good things in that video. What were the things that I was working on? Maybe I keep doing those. And then I'd figure out some other stuff to work on too. But you don't need to constantly check it over and over again throughout the day. How many views, how many increase in subscribers to get that little dopamine hit when you see the numbers increasing. Because at the end of the day, that's not the reason you're doing it. You're doing it because you care about California, you care about wildfire, you care about people, and you want to become a better communicator. You want to learn about wildfire, about weather, and about communication. You want to get better and better and better. That's what you're here to do, to get better. So, just keep doing it.